chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and that they, they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on this earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and, the, and every creeping thing, and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 8, we'll stop there. This is a perfect picture of our days, our times, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight, okay? Jesus says to us, in Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of Noah, and he speaks of Noah and his days being just like the days when he's going to come back. So the boys come up to him, remember Matthew 24, you know, they're asking about when the end's going to come, when is the end coming, what is the end time, how will we know when you're coming back, Jesus, our king? How do we know? He says, well, it'll be just like in the days, look back to the days of Noah, it's found right here, and Matthew, you Bible students, chapter 24, verse 36, I'll read it to you. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven but my Father. What day? Well, when the rapture happens, you know. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. I wonder if they know the week or the year. I don't know. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Son of Man be. For as in these days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came, and it took them all away. So also will the coming of, son be, coming of the Son of Man be. So you know the parallel? You see it perfectly, right? Remember, you know the story back in Bible school when you're sitting there, and the teacher's teaching about knowing the days, and what happens? Noah's sitting there, and of course he builds this ark because God tells him to. So he builds an ark, remember all the animals go on, and Noah and his family go on. And remember, all the people, while Noah's building this ark a hundred years of building, he's building this ark, right? And everybody's, what, mocking him and scoffing him? No, what are you building that big thing for? You know what? It's never rained before. Hello? You think it's like water's going to drop from the sky? You idiot. What a wacko. What a crazy, huh? Somebody put him in the loony bin, you know? That's what everybody's thinking about Noah back in the day. They scoffed at him. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Until all of a sudden, what? Noah gets inside the ark, and guess what? <coughs> Who closed the door of the ark? The king did. Jesus, our king. <coughs> All of a sudden it closes, and what happens? Whoop. 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 Drops of rain everywhere. I can imagine the people just start, I can't believe this. And maybe they start running and beating on the ark with all they can, and you maybe see, I wonder if we went and found the ark today, if you'd see like, finger marks of people just like scraping and trying to get through. When we find the ark, Mount Ararat, that's where it's located. Turkey, if you want to go and check it out yourself. The Turks won't let us see it. And it's covered in snow. 
they have pictures and they say this is where it's at. Maybe it is. But this is crazy. This is perfect. This is a perfect illustration picture of what is happening in our day, isn't it? Listen. Who is mocking and scoffing us at this time? Oh yeah, you've been talking about Jesus coming for like, you know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 100 years. Well, yeah, whatever. Jesus is coming. Yeah, well, we heard it. Even Christians I hear. I remember one time when I first started like getting into Bible study and, and prophecy and started like figuring it out for myself. I remember an old lady went, Kim, it's like, oh, they've been saying that for years. And I'm like, no, he's coming. I know he's coming. He's going to come soon. Ah, da, da, da. Kind of like pushed down my zeal. And I was just like, snap, man. There'll be scoffers in that day. They'll be eating and drinking and just getting married and doing whatever. Just acting like nothing's happening, nothing to worry about. And then what's going to happen? All of a sudden those drops are going to start to fall from the sky, aren't they? All of a sudden, the king's going to come back right there, like a thief in the night. Jesus is he's not going to come back. That's crazy. It's never rained. That's crazy. Uh-oh. And what if that night is tonight, my friends? then we will be looking at each other in heaven and I'll be looking at you in the face and I'll say, we made it. But with the king, there he is. I'm going to give him a hug and, and love on him and just spend time with him for the rest of eternity. And we'll never have to think about this life ever again. All the great things, yeah. The bad things, forget about it. It's over. Forever, never and ever and ever. And that's a long time. The day's coming soon. We have hope, my friends. There's nothing to worry about. This game will be over soon. But hey, while this game's still going, to live is Christ. We get to have heaven here on earth. May we live in such a way that when we get to heaven, we don't even know we're there. Remember? You know the quote. We don't even know we're there because we're having so much fun here on earth. We're like, yeah, party, heaven, man, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is awesome. And we're in, all of a sudden, say, what if we're in heaven right now? And then you walk out that door and all of a sudden you see Jesus. And we're here in heaven now and we don't even know. Why? Because we're having heaven here right here in this room. You see, The King is coming. It'll be just like in those days. And what were those days like? Noah's days. What were Noah's days like? How can we compare and contrast? Well, let's look at the first thing here. In verse 1, read it with me, listen. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. It began to multiply. Numbers began to multiply. Listen to these facts. These facts are sick. There was an explosion in population, okay? Check this out. Back in that day, say, if a man had four kids, okay? We're, we're talking like... How could the population be that big? It hadn't been that long, Josh. Couldn't be that many people. Au contraire, listen. If a man, say a man, had four kids, and he lives to see his four kids have four kids, okay? Each one of the families had four kids. They had big families back then. If one man, me, had four kids, and then my kids grew up and had four kids themselves, okay? That is me becoming a grandpa, correct? So I become a grandpa... And I have, you know, what, I have 16 grandchildren now. Okay, this is how fast it would start to duplicate. If the generations happened in that way, which it's probable that they probably did, in five generations, the population would be 96 people. Five generations, okay? 
In 10 generations, it would jump from 96 to 3,070 people. 3,070. In 20 generations, it would jump to 3,120,000. 20 generations. In 30 generations, you never believe it. 3,220,000 people. That's just in 30 generations. If, it was, if I became a grandpa and I had four kids and they had four kids, each one of them, I had 16 grandchildren, which is likely. And so, if a generation is 40 years, just to say, that's like they say that the biblical generation is 40 years a lot of times, or 100 years, just depending on what you're looking at. But, uh, but 40 years here in this time, okay? They say that in Genesis chapter 5, you have at least 40 generations. Remember Genesis chapter 5? Remember the genealogy we looked at uh, last week? The genealogy? There is at least 40 generations there. How many 30 generations? How many people in 30 generations? Do you remember? I just said it. 3 billion, right? How many in 40 generations? Oh, snap. I don't even know the number. What? 5 billion? You know we have 6 billion people on the face of the earth right now, okay? 6 billion people. To throw something on top of that, okay? So if I became a grandpa, had 16 grandchildren, 30 generations, we have what? 3 billion people. You've got to throw something else on top of that. People weren't just living to become grandpas, like 70 years old and dying. How long were they living? 900 years. Throw 900 years on top of that. How many kids will you have? How many generate? Unbelievable. Scholars say that the, the, the earth was way overpopulated than it was now. Maybe 20, 30 billion people on the earth. Way overpopulated. As it began to multiply here. That it was crazy overpopulated in that time. And check this out. We are growing very rapidly. What do you mean, Josh? We have 6 billion people. Listen to this. From the time that Noah got off the ark, the day Noah got off the ark, right? Until 1867, we did not have a billion people on the earth until that day. 1867. From Noah to 1867, about Civil War time, we barely have a billion people on the earth. Now check this out. It has taken all this time to reach a billion people, the billion people mark, okay? But from what? 1867 to 1935, now we have 2 billion people. Did you hear that? 1867 to 1935, 2 billion. From 1935 to 1965, 3 billion people. From 1965 to 1995, 6 billion people. It doubled in less than 30 years. You see that? Doubled. 3, mil- 3 billion people came out of nowhere in less than 30 years. And now we are being told that every 15 years, our population will double. 15 years from now, we all have 12 billion people on this earth. Every single day, every 24 hours, there are 250,000 people coming on this earth. That's including the debt, that, you know, the people that are dying. That's adding in the debt. So we're 250,000 new people walking around this earth. More population. We're starting to populate so rapidly, just like in the days of Noah. The king is coming. Jesus is coming. Population is going faster than ever. It's amazing. They did a study, some sociologists did a study about what happens, just like in the days of Noah. What happens when you get a bunch of people together? What happens when you get a group of people? They say when you put Christians together, when you get a group of Christians are like manure. When you put them together, they stink. When you spread them out, they do great. It's the truth. But they did a study, some sociologists, they did a study on rats. They took some rats, well, on people in general, on huge populations and expanding so quickly. 
They took some racks and they put them together, right? And they, they, they put these racks together to live together at a rate of, or the same equality or the parallel of the way New York lives, the population, on how many people live on top of each other, you know, how crazy it is. They said two things started to happen as soon as they started to put these people together. Number one, the rats, for some reason, when they had babies, they would neglect their babies. They would neglect them. This is weird. They just wouldn't take care of them. They stopped taking care of the babies, and I wonder if that sounds like me and you today, huh? It's point blank. It's amazing what we can find in the animals, the secrets hidden in them. Secondly, cannibalism started to happen. There was plenty of food for everybody to eat, but they started eating each other. They started attacking each other for some reason, and killing each other, and then eating. Sounds like us today. The more people, the more people we get around, the angrier we get, the more mad we get. People are in my space. Don't be mad dogging me, this and that. It's like, get real. This is your earth just like it's my earth. Let's just be a family and live together. An explosion of population was happening right here in verse 1. Let's move on to verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. In verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men, for they... For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So what starts to happen here in verse 2? See, the sons of God, or B'nai Elohim is the word here. And it means, deals with angels, or it deals, it, it's, there's only, it's only mentioned four times in the entire Bible. And the three times that it's mentioned, or most of the time that it is mentioned, is, it's speaking about angels, period. Now, the other time that it's happened or mentioned is in when, remember, it's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Jesus is in, it looks like the Son of God. Remember in the fire with Shadrach? That's the same word there. But who is that? That's Jesus, our King, of course. That's the, the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus there in the fire with the boys. These other times it's spoken of is fallen angels, or they call them Nephilim. You guys know it. It means fallen ones or fallen angels. And the Nephilim, they are the, or the sons of God, scholars say, are the demons that fell from heaven, I mean the angels that fell from heaven with Lucifer. It says in the Bible that one third of the angels went away with Lucifer, and they're now demons, and they are ruling and walking all over the earth, and they can do as they please. And we see this happening here. What do we see happening? Well, for some reason, these sons of God are actually taking these women as wives, it says. But that doesn't make sense. And I, and I noticed it. I said, that doesn't make sense. How can an angel take somebody as a wife unless God blesses it and says, you are husband and wife, right? Marriage is in sanctity within God. God blesses it and said, you are husband and wife. Because I believe in these days, just maybe as it is in our days, what is a wife in these days? They were just having sex with these women. It was no big deal. Yeah, they just go out, just have sex, Whatever. And they were calling them wives, in the same way many do in this day and age. We've gotten away from marriage. It's no big deal anymore. It doesn't mean anything. People marry and divorce no matter what. Till death do his part, they throw that out the window. It's no big deal anymore. Amazing. But the sons of God were having sex with these women, per se, I guess. That's what scholars say. And I, and I was listening to a message, and I heard that there was an article in Life magazine that actually spoke of this woman, right? She was over somewhere in, uh, I believe, Asia. But she did something wrong. Anyway, she was messing around in uh, psychic and just weird, you know, like spiritual stuff. She gets put in prison, okay? This is what happens. True story. It's in Life magazine. 
this woman that gets put in a cell by herself, and one night she starts screaming really loud. And the guards come, and they're like, what's going on here, you know? And also, she has her clothes off, and she's sitting there in the cell, and she's screaming. And she's like, there's bite marks on my back, there's bite marks on my back. And they're like, huh, what's going on here? And so, you know, they keep, they're like, okay, so they let it go on. Every night, she's screaming out. She says somebody's biting her. And they think, you know, the inmates are, like, biting her or doing something to her and just tormenting her and this and that. You know, maybe the people in her cell or whomever. So what do they do? They take her, they put her in solitary confinement, lock her up. The black hole where nobody is. The padded walls. And all of a sudden, they hear the screaming again and again and again. And they keep coming back and they can't figure out, you can't bite your back. You can't do it. It's impossible. This is documented. They have the pictures and everything. This woman, for some reason, comes back with bite marks every single night. They're trying to figure out what's going on here. And she says that a demon is coming and tormenting me every night. She says this demon comes and appears. And then she, she even took it further and said that he, he's been, you know, sexually abusing her, you know, or, or molesting her. Amazing. And then guess what happened? They called on some missionaries to come in. And they came and they laid hands on her and prayed the blood of Jesus over her. And guess what? From that night on, she never screamed again. And there was no more bite marks ever again. And that's the key. Once again, our Jesus. And so I truly believe that these kind of things could be going on back in this day. And Why would the demons want to have sex with the women? Well, this, well, do you know that Lucifer knows the Bible better than you do? And I bet you the angels know the Bible better than we do also. They've been studying it for thousands of years. They know the prophecy that says what? Remember? That a virgin is going to be, I mean, a virgin is going to have a child and so what would they try to do? Maybe come and have sex with the women and pollute the bloodline so that Jesus could not be born of a virgin or be born of the king of the line of David. And so of course they would come in and try to mess this thing up. Lucifer's been trying to do it from the beginning. He knew that Jesus was going to come. He's going to try to do his best to destroy it all. Verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. I used to think back in the day when I didn't look into things, I would just say things, and I still do in this day sometimes. We're all flawed, but that this meant that a man could only live for 120 years. Completely incorrect, completely false, because we see people living 120 years right after this. You see people living longer than this. doesn't make sense. What does this mean then, Josh? It means that God is saying that you have 120 years, man, and the flood will come. 120 years, the clock starts now, and... Once that day hits, or once that year hits, it's over, my friends. You get 120 years of grace. God is going to say, hey, just jump on the boat. It's easy. Just like in our days, is it not true? Can't we jump on the boat anytime we want to? Yeah. Is it hard to be a Christian? Is it hard to have salvation? No. What does it say? Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I don't believe that you have to pray any prayer. I don't believe that you have to do anything. I don't believe you have to step out. None of that. What does it say? Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Believe in your heart that He's raised from the dead. Does confessing your mouth have anything to do with prayer even? Does believing in your heart have anything to do with prayer even? I don't believe so. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I believe when you do that, you will be communicating with the Father and that you'll want to do that. But I believe even the man who says in his heart, I believe that God is going to sneak people in the back door into heaven. I believe it. I know he loves his people so much. I believe he's going to be looking through people's lives like, you know what, you're a big loser. Yeah, look at all you did. But you confess me as Lord right there. Look, you said, look, look let's play it again. Let's play. 
Jesus is Lord. Look at you said that at night, right there in your heart. You said, Jesus is See? You're in. Get in here. Don't tell anybody. Because God loves His people. Doesn't a father want to have all of his kids come to Disneyland? Would a father go and die for his children so that he can say, you're not coming in. You didn't do what was right. Get out of here. No. He loves his kids. He desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And that's the truth. He loves you and he loves me. There's a new message we need to start bringing to the world, and that's what? That God loves you. And he really, truly does. He really wants to give you heaven for free. Do you think? Do you believe Jesus is Lord? Yeah, I do, actually. Do you believe he, he, he rose again from the dead? Do you, that takes a lot to believe that. Do you know that? Think about that. Doesn't that take a lot to believe that somebody raised themselves from the dead? That's huge! Do you believe that Jesus rose himself from the dead? Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, I do. You're going to heaven! Welcome in, my man. Let's thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Lord... Thank you for Johnny and bringing him into heaven. You're awesome. Why don't you pray a prayer? Just go talk to the king. Lord, thank you. Amen. Sounds good to me. It's easier than we think. It's not complicated and hard. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not heavy and hard. It's easy and it's light. 120 years, God shows him grace. Let's move on. Yeah. A lot to go there were giants in the earth in those days. Where did these giants come from? Well, the Nephilim, remember? If you have a supernatural being having sex with what? A natural woman? Then you're going to be creating these supernatural beings. Look at what it says even further as we read down in verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. Also after that, when the sons of God came into the, into the daughters of men, they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men which were old, or of old. Men of renown. Do you know that? If you look at all the civilizations, look what they talk about. Hercules, you know, and all these crazy giants in their past days. They were there. It happened. They, they may not be right, 100% right on, just like the flood records. Everybody gives a story of the flood records, every single civilization, right? You know, take some specs on that? Yeah, 500. And we have some of our guys who actually, there's no book, right, actually, that is put together with all, every single flood record, right? There's just all these ones out there, and Jake and some of the guys, and Jay, and they're thinking about putting a book together and writing a book that would have every single flood record in it so that we could have a great account. The flood did happen, my friend. Every single civilization has spoken about it. Here it is. What do you have to say to that? Now, they're, they're not exactly all 100% right on, like they all say, like da 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 but we know that water covered the entire earth at one time. We know the Bible is the accurate depiction here. But we see that also cultures speaking of these supernatural beings or these giants or crazy guys, mighty men that just did awesome stuff, you know? And we see that here within this text, and they may not be 100% accurate like they're the gods of our time now, Hercules or whatever, you know, this and that. It's not 100% accurate the things that they are saying, just like all their flood records probably not most accurate either. But, when we bring them all together, we see that there was some kind of evidence there. And we see it here within the Bible. There was what? Men of renown. Mighty men, which were of old. Great men. Amazing men. Verse 5, let's move on. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. This is so our day. And God saw the wickedness of man was very great in the earth, and that every imagination, every single imagination, every imagination was corrupt. Every imagination was corrupt. Every single one. Amazing. In our day, we see every, every single imagination. It seems everything around us is corrupt. Everything is messed up. Look at the end of that verse. It says what? The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Evil continually. Evil continually. Evil continually. What's evil continually? You want to know what it is? You're looking at it. State of the art. Evil continually. That's what it puts forth, my friends. It gets deep within your ears. It gets deep within your soul. The eyes are the windows into your soul. Did you know that? Keep a child down and never let them see anything. They'll be the purest thing to ever walk the earth. But as soon as these eyes start to see, and as soon as I allow these eyes to see things, my heart starts to become corrupt. It already is wicked. and it's, We're not supposed to follow after it by no means. Heart's deceitfully wicked. But when you allow things to come in here and through here, I think it's the greatest attack by the enemy. Who is the worship leader in heaven? Lucifer. Don't you think he's the most amazing musician to ever walk the earth? Don't you think that he could work musicians and work them into thinking all kinds of crazy stuff and get them... Of course. He's been studying men for thousands of years. He can put into their mind whatever he wants, especially one who just gives himself over to him. And he gets into our ears. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what comes into these eyes. Music, a musician, you know, music can take my heart from one step to another in like two seconds. I could be like so stoked on a song and then the next song hits and all of a sudden depression. Just boom, I can just feel everything just like, I don't know, you know, I'm just like, it's amazing what it does to you. This right here does amazing things to your eyes in the same way. Keep the clicker in your hand. Be ready. Be on guard. I'm not down in this room in any way, but don't let this be the center of the room. Don't let your families get so caught up in this that there is no family. Hill family, awesome, man. Go out and hang and spend time together, and I love it. I long to have a family like this one. But don't let this thing be the center of your house. Don't let this be the center of your life. I can't remember the statistic, but you know what? You guys have heard it before. You know that how much a person spends watching TV in their life, it's just unbelievable how much time is wasted. Be careful. Be on guard. And it repented the Lord, verse 6, that he had made man on this earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord was grieved. Man, he's bummed. Because his kids are getting ripped off. Stay with me here. Focus. It grieved him sincerely, just like a father who raises... Say, say, you parents, okay? One day, many of you will be parents, right? I'm not a parent. I'm not even married. But one more parents one day. What happens when your kid goes off and rebels and runs from you? You're trying to give them the best life you can. You're trying to do the best... You're working hard for them. You want to give them life in that abundance. You have great wisdom to impart to them. They don't even want to hear, I know, I know. Think about the way that you... Think about the way that you treated your parents and one day, would you like your kids to treat you that way? Oh, snap, Lord, forgive me. 
We've been idiots. And even here in this time, it says that the Lord was grieved to his heart. He was so bummed. He loves his kids. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. He's bummed. He wonders if he even should have done it. But notice, did you see what it says there? God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Did God destroy man? And every beast, and every creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. God has decided to be gracious for some reason, even though he said he was going to destroy everything. And where did he become gracious? Look, it's in the next verse. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Many people translate it as what? Noah found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord, right? No, look at it again. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah looked into whose eyes? God's. And what did he find? Grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Does God give favor to any man over another? No! God doesn't say, I like you better and I like you better. He would not give favor to one man more than another. That's not how a father works. A father loves all his kids the same, correct? But Noah looked into God's eyes and saw grace. It says what? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He looked into God's eyes and he saw grace. A gracious king. A wonderful king. And God is gracious. He loves you. You know what? No matter how many sins you commit for the rest of your life, they're all forgiven. Every single one. Josh, you can't say that. That gives me a license to sin. Hey, what does sin do to you? Crucifies you. Look at the cross. If you want to go cut yourself up and beat yourself and be a bloody mess, go for it, man. Your life's going to suck. And God says, I'll still forgive you even after you do all that, Hitler. Even though you burnt me six million times, Hitler, you can burn me again and I will forgive you of all that. That's how much I love you. Somebody killed one of our kids, we would kill them. God reaches his hand out and says, kill another and I'll forgive you. You're going to be hating life, Hitler. You'll end up killing yourself because you hate your life so much. But I've forgiven you if you want the forgiveness. And every man... Every woman will stand before God one day, and God, I don't believe, will look at him and be like, you little buster, can't believe you didn't, look at me, I, I, I did all this for you, and you didn't do anything. God's going to look at him and say this, I loved you every single day of your life. I reached my hand out to you. The doors are wide open any time. I loved you no matter what you do, and I still do. And I'm so sad you got to go. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I gave you a million chances, my friend. I love you like a son. You are my child. I created you. Created you in my image. Me. Stretch my hand out to you, and I believe Hitler and every other man on the face of the earth who has not accepted the king will fall on their face and weep and cry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know you. I am so hard. It's too late. And that is the message we bring to our friends.
The message of grace that God loves them and wants to give them a great life, wonderful life, life in that abundance. He loves his kids. Does he set up rules and regulations? Yeah. Do you set up rules and regulations for your children? Yeah, why? Because you don't want them to go and get messed up in life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me commands. I need those. Give me some more. Show me what's right. I want to have a wonderful life. Do what's wrong, and you have a terrible life. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect, or upright, in his generation. And Noah walked with God. You walk with Him. When's the last time you took a walk with God? Go take a walk with Him tonight. I'm serious. I'm dead serious when I say that. I challenge you. You know, there's nothing like taking a walk with your mate or with a friend and just going and walking and talking, you know? It's wonderful, isn't it? It's nice. You don't have to worry about anything. You're not concentrating on anything. Just on that person. Just walking and talking with them. Go walk with God. And watch your life be changed. Walk with Him, my friends. Walk with Him. Have a relationship with Him. Have an experience with Him. You'll never be the same. I know if I walk out that door right now, and I talk to the King, that'll be lit up forever and ever. Every, it never fails me. Every time. Do that. We've got to finish this up. I'm just going to read off some cool stuff to you real quick, okay? And then I'll close it up. But the rest, pretty much verses 10 through 22, no build, build this ark, right? The ark is 450 feet long. 450 feet. That is a football field and a half. It's a football field and a half. It's pretty far. That's pretty big. That's huge. That's monstrous. 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. It had three levels. Notice that it says to use the word there. You've you got to read through this text yourself. I'll give you a foundation, but you need to go home and read it, okay? God gives Noah instructions on how to build this thing. Do you know that the same dimensions that he gives Noah to, to, uh, to use there, right? 45 or, I mean, 450 feet long, 45 feet high, and then 70, 70 or 75 feet wide. Yeah, 75 feet wide. These dimensions are the same exact dimensions that we use as what? Our battleships today. Did you know that? Six times... Yes. It's six times longer than it's wide. Six times longer than it's wide. That's the dimensions that we use for every single boat. That's what you do. That's how you create a boat. That's what you... Jesus is awesome. That's my key. But more than that, they say it's impossible to fit... All the animals on the ark. It's impossible. Maybe you've heard the study. If you haven't, I'm just going to read you something real quick. Just listen closely. Try to listen the best you can. I'm going to try to read this off fast. This is what the article reads. It's a great illustration and a way for us to see how this thing comes together, how this ark was built, but then more or less how they fit all the animals on there. This is on karm.org. You can get it yourself. Karm.org, if you want to check it out. It's called, uh, could Noah's Ark hold all the animals? One issue that is often raised against Christianity is Noah's Ark and the flood. Did it really happen? Did the flood really cover the whole world? Is there enough water on the earth to cover all the land? The answer is yes. 
God said, it, God said to Noah in Genesis 6.14 and 16, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, 45 feet high, and make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. <clears throat> Put a door at the side of the ark and make it lower. Middle and upper decks. CNIV version, sorry. According to God's word, Noah built the ark. Eight people entered into entered it and all of humanity died in the flood. Did the flood really happen? Yes. I'm sorry I didn't answer the question before with the can all the water cover the earth. Yes. If we did not have mountains and everything was pushed like to a perfect sphere, there would be plenty, more than enough, enough water that would cover a mile's worth, a mile high worth of water all over the earth. Amazing. But more than that, that shows you how deep the oceans is, man. That's scary. Snap, I want a submarine. Anybody got one? More than that, did the flood really happen? Yes. Jesus said it in Matthew 24. We read that, remember? Can you, if you can trust anybody, the only person you can trust is Jesus, our King, of course. He's God. He's the one who said, just in Matthew 24, that the flood happened. Every major culture, like we talked about, the flood legends, they all say it. 95% say the flood was universal. 70% say, uh, say survival depended upon a boat. 60% or 66 say the wickedness of man was the cause. 88% say there was a favored family. That's wrong. I missed it. But, um, sorry, I just, I just saw that. 66% say that there are, uh, this lists off all kinds of facts. We don't need to go into that anymore. Even 7% say that a, a rainbow was mentioned there. But we cruise down. There's a theory known as the canopy theory. Blah, 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 blah. We'll just cruise down. We're going to skip all this. I'm just going to get to the facts here. The dimensions of the ark have a ratio of 6 to 1. The ark was 6 times longer than it was wide, just as I mentioned. This is the best ratio for a modern ship building. Model stability testing have shown that the design is stable for waves up to 200 feet high. Amazing. And that the ark could have rotated 90 degrees and still, <coughs> and still righted itself. The volume of the ark would be 450 feet long by 70 feet wide, 55, I mean 45 feet high. This equals 1,518,750 cubic feet and, and is comparison to 569 modern railroad boxes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Railroads, right? Look at railroad box. 569 of these. That's what it would look like. That was the space. So if we took 569 things, stacked them on top of each other, that would be the capacity of the ark. Now, the average size of an animal on the earth is smaller than a cat. But, just to keep it safe, let's consider the average size of an animal to be a sheep. Okay, so this is a sheep. The average size of an animal is a cat on the earth. We took all of them, combined them together. Average size, cat. But we're just, just to be safe, we'll say a sheep size. Just to make it interesting. I love it. To see if all these sheep, all the animals on the earth are actually fitness are. So, the average size of an animal on the earth is smaller than a cat, but a sheep. The average double-deck stop car holds 240 sheep. 240 sheep, one car. The arc capacity would be able to fit about 569 times 240, equaling 136,560 animals of that size. However, that is still not accurate for our needs. So, what he does is he give a bunch of classifications. This is the number of species. Mammals, there's 300, I mean 3,700 mammals on the earth. Birds, 8,600. Reptiles, 6,300. These are different species, 6,300. Amphibians, 2,500. Fish, 20,000. 
Other marine life, there's 192,000. But see, those things don't even count because what? They're in the water, remember? Insects, 850,000 different types. So, the total would be a number of species is 1,072,305. Or the number of kinds that would need to be in the ark would be 72,700. You're like, why are you saying all these numbers? Well, it's going to come together right now. The total number of mammals would be 3,700 times two pairs, which equals 74, right? Two animals went on the ark, remember? Opened up, they brought two different... Okay, you got it. The pairs came on. So we take 7,400 animals, and we divide that by 240, right? The number of boxcars used. 31 boxcars, there. That's the number of mammals. And then... It says in Genesis 7.3 to take seven pairs of each bird. And so you take it, and that means it's eight, um, 8,600 times two pairs is what? 120,400 animals or birds. And that is 250 boxcars. So what's happening here is he's taking each species, he's calculating it into boxcars, and then he's adding up the total number of boxcars. We're not going to go through it. It's getting lengthy. So this is what the total would come out to. The total number of boxcars used would be 318, with a total number of 145,400 animals. There would still be 251 boxcars left over. 251 boxcars left over of space in the ark after we fit every single animal, pairs. Remember, size of a cat, we're taking the size of a sheep, packing them all in there, we still have over, I believe it's 52% or 56% of the ark would be used for storing animals and the rest. Well, obviously for food and for living. But there's plenty. There was more than enough scientifically. We can look at this and know that the ark was definitely made by God. Impossible. How could this all come together? And I long for the day when they go up Mount Ararat and they find this thing. I wonder if the Lord's going to allow it to happen before the rapture happens. I wonder if that'll be one of the signs, like during the tribulation period, where all of a sudden the ark is shown to everybody, and everybody's like, oh, snap, the ark's here, you know, it really is true. And then everybody says what? Yeah, who cares, God's real, we're going to go and sin anyways. We're going to go and... That's like me and you do many times in our lives. But friend, I love the last verse in Genesis chapter 6, and we'll look at that right now. Let me read it to you. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Noah did every single thing that God commanded him to do. Every single thing. Every single thing that God commanded him to do, he did it. He was faithful. Noah was a great example. He brought the people rest with his life. This flood story, I know a long one. But it's a great one. A lot of information to intake but I hope that you would walk away with much. I hope you would walk away understanding and being able to go and exhort somebody this week. Hey, check this out. Did you know this and this and this and this and this? There you go. You can bring it to the table and talk about it. Man, there's all these facts running through my head that I still want to say, but I think we'll start bringing this thing to a close in this. The times are definitely short, and you know this through and through and through. And you've maybe heard this illustration time and time again. The Lord's coming. The flood is coming. Back then, it was the flood that took out the earth. Now it is what? Fire that's going to take out the earth. We know in Revelation. 
water and fire. A great illustration of the coming king, Jesus. Remember when you read the Bible, look for Jesus in every single text. You'll find him. He's there. But if we truly knew, sincerely within our hearts, that the king was coming, we would be more changed than we are now. It's true. But many times we walk away from these messages and what? I'm going to keep doing the same old, same old what I'm doing today, what I'm doing right now. I'm doing great, Josh. Don't let yourself say that. Don't let your mind be content. Don't let your heart be still. Say, Lord, what is the new thing for me? Where's the next level? What am I to do next, King? I want to spend time with you. I want to know you more. Don't you understand that the more you know God, the better life gets? The more you know the creator of the universe, the less you worry. The more you see all of his resources and how he's going to take care of you. Know him. Live like Christ is coming back today. What would you do right now? Let's, let's think about that. Everybody analyze yourselves. What would I do if the king was coming back tonight? What would I do? Whatever that is, do it. Stop asking how and start doing it right now. Because one of these days when I say this really is the last day and it's over and you don't get another chance. You can send stuff forward but you can't take anything with you. This is the only opportunity you have. I don't know what that means for you. I know what it means for me. What do you want to start doing in your Christian life? Start doing it. Do you want to start laying hands on people and praying for them? Then do that. Do that tonight. Walk up to somebody and say, Hey, I just want to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for? Don't be scared. Stop asking how to be a Christian and start acting now. Do you want to start teaching a study? Then do it. Start now. Do you want to start serving in the church? Then go and ask. Do you want to start giving to people more? Then do it. The time is short. You don't have any more time. We prepare our lives like we're going to live for 70 years. But we live like we're going home today. Every day. I just want us to be different, guys. I want people to look into this group and say there is something radically different about those guys. What is going on over there? Why are they so set free? Why is everything so okay in life? What are they smoking? I'm just smoking Jesus, man. It's the stuff that you sell, and I sell too, but we don't smoke it, remember? Get out your pipe. Sorry, listeners. It's the truth, man. I want you guys to be happy in life. Seriously, truly happy. Where you say this, I love this life, like Paul. Lord, I could live here another thousand years. It's totally cool. Because I'm here with you. You're with me every day. We just hang out together and have a blast and 
the Lord buys me an ice cream, and I talk to him and just spend time with him. This life's easy, Lord. It's a blast. It dreads me so much when I hear pastors say, Christianity way is difficult. It's hard.
But when you walk with God daily, when you love on your wife daily, when you talk to her, and, and, and you talk to your husband, and you spend time with them, and you get to know them, and you love them, you're blessed by them, then guess what? There's this motivation inside. I want to do everything for them. Anything you want. That's how it is with the king, isn't it? If you go and try to do things for him before you have a relationship with him, it's a bummer. There's a divorce. But if you get to know him, and you spend time with him, and then you go and do things for the church or for the house of God, for the kingdom of heaven, you're blessed. You love to buy her flowers. You love to make him dinner. You love to bless them. Are you at the best point of your life that you've ever been? Are you at the greatest point of spiritual high that you've ever been? If you're not, then get back to that. And start in this moment today. The days are short. Whatever you were doing, when you were on that high, get back to that. I know what that was for me. It was in the desert walking with Jesus every day, multiple times during the day. That's what it was. It's me standing on my rock and shouting to the king, man. Just being out there, out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody can hear me, nobody can see me, just talking and praising God. I've never experienced any greater joy than that. You can take my experience and apply it to yourself. You're like, go find the nearest mountain, go find the nearest rock, and go and get on it and talk to the Lord. Whatever that is, let's get back to it. Please, friends, be set free. I want you to be happy. I love you guys. I really do. And when this starts to happen to you, it's going to overflow into the person next to you. And people will be set free. Okay? Hear me. Please hear my heart. Apply. Be doers. Start now. Right now. Right now. In this second. Make the decision. Right now. I'm ready, King. Let's go before him real quick. And Lord, we just... We come to you and we thank you that you met with us here. I thank you for the certain things that were spoken to my heart and the certain things that were spoken to others' hearts here, Jesus. Lord, continue to be glorified in this place when we leave. Be glorified. Let our lives be pleasing unto you. We want to pleasure you and bless you with our lives, with the way we live, with us talking and spending time with you. Help us to know you in a new and fresh way. Jesus, I need you. I want a closer relationship with you. All the needs in this room in this moment, Lord, we come to you. Pray for every single person individually. Hey, 
guys, just real quick, if that's you and you need to lift something up, just let's take let's take 30 seconds just to talk to the Lord. Seriously, just with your mouth, just talk to the Lord and just tell Him whatever it is, or if you just need a blessing or you need to get things right or whatever that is, you talk to God, open your mouth and say words. Don't let your mind wander. You don't need to say so loud that the person next to you can hear, but just whisper to the Lord. Just talk to Him and let Him know your heart. Let's do that for the next 30 seconds to a minute. Just let's talk to the King. Amen.